What's up, podcasters? This is the podcast for episode 34 of the Ask North 40 show. Coming up, we have the full interview with Simon Gosworth from Rio, and following that, Tim Rajeff from Echo and Airflow. They're great interviews. I got a ton of information. Check it out. My name is Simon Gosworth. I'm the marketing manager, brand manager at Rio, a flyline company out of Idaho Falls, uh, where I do a bit of the brand marketing and a lot of the product testing and designs and uh, Final water testing products is always the funnest part. I've heard you're pretty techie when it comes to fly lines. Fly lines have got that way, you know. It's the way fly lines are made. It's made it possible to do that, and that's why there's 30 different trout lines. When in the old days it was a weight forward or a double taper. Um, so in some ways we are creating confusion by doing that. But uh, yes, I'm techie about it. I, I really like fly lines. I'm kind of anal about it. Um, how long have you been fly fishing just to get that? Uh, I started when I was eight, so 45 years ago. My dad had a fly fishing school in England, so he taught fly fishing, taught me to fly fish, taught me to teach. So uh, I was pretty lucky in that I had that background. I wasn't allowed to make a bad cast or get beaten with a sharp stick if I did. <laughs> Very uh, Norman McLean of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know how lucky it was. And then it, you know, it just became a passion. I loved it too much, so that just became my work. Awesome. Well, let's get into uh, the meat and potatoes, I guess. How important is it to have the right fly line on your rod, first and foremost? I, I, you know, that, that's a, a very leading question to somebody whose life is fly lines. Of course, I'm going to say it's, it's important. Um, I, I think a lot of people recognize that these days. I know that if you, you can take any rod and, and put the wrong line on and make it absolutely lousy, or you can take a, a theoretically bad performing rod and, and put the right line on it, and it suddenly becomes very responsive and nice in the hand so I, I think and people are starting to understand how important that fly line is and uh, I obviously talk about that and tout that and, and it is as literally as that you can take the finest rod you've ever had in your life and just put the wrong line on and that thing's a dog so the line is utterly utterly important in getting getting it to load how you like it as an individual yeah a couple of these are a little leading so I'll have to apologize for that <laughs> that's fine um, so, how specific do you want to be when matching your line to your rod? Um, you know, it's a very, that's a really interesting question because there's no one fly line, sadly, because nobody has, or not everybody has the same casting stroke. If, if, if the world had the same rod, then you'd still have to have separate and different lines because other people, some, one person is going to cast the line with a fast stroke, somebody's going to cast it with a slow stroke, somebody's going to fish a creek at five feet of, with five feet of line, somebody's going to fish a reservoir with 70 feet of line. So if, you know, even if you have the one rod, you're still going to need a variety of fly lines because of those variables. Um, having said that, once you start to dial it in, there's certain things that are essential in a fly line and, and a fly rod in a combination. One of them is not overloading a line, and that's where the fiberglass questions come in because they are slower rods and you really don't want to overload them with lines that are built heavier than the line standards. So that kind of leads right into what, you know, I know there's differences, but could you explain the differences, especially when it comes to lines between graphite and fiberglass? Yeah, um, and, and you know, I would, I would broaden that sphere of graphite uh, because, again, you can get a lot of rods, graphite rods that are built very, very deep flexing, slower action, flexing down towards the bottom of the rod, a slower response in the, in, in the cast. You can get, I've, I've cast some fiberglass rods that are pretty dang fast as well, some New Zealand ones when I was down there a few a couple of years ago, there were some pretty fast ones down there. So you can get different actions even within the materials of them. 
Generally speaking, though, fiberglass is a creator of deeper flexing, slower action rods. Um, bamboo rods are deeper flexing, slower. Again, you can get faster ones. So it's not so much the material, although generally speaking, you'd be talking about rods that are slower to respond. They don't have a fast recovery rate. And so a fly line that is heavy means that the rod flex lags behind and doesn't have any force to it or momentum to it. So that is really what you need to do is you need to make sure a fly line isn't so heavy that it's going to slow down rod action to a point where it almost doesn't work. Okay. Um, well, what would you recommend for characteristics when looking for a glass line? I think the most important thing is to, is to understand the industry line standard. Um, so, if you, forgive me if I kind of fill in some real basic holes. In the, in the world of fly fishing, fly lines and fly rods is a standard called the AFTM standard. And uh, this is a standard that was put together in the 70s basically. And it basically it's, it's a set unit of weights for a line. So for example, let's take the very popular five weight rod. A five-weight rod, a five-weight line, has the standard of 140 grains. And so if you make a fly line to the standard, or you buy a fly line to the standard, then that line's going to weigh 140 grains. But the point is that that is at 30 feet. So there's a precise amount of line that weighs 140 grains. So really, we make a whole pile of fly lines. We'll make some five-weight lines weigh 140 grains, which are a standard line. And then we'll make other fly lines that are heavier than the standard because for numerous reasons, we want them to be heavier for certain things. So one of the earliest things to, to look for in a fly line when you're building or, or picking a fly line for a slower action rod, a fiberglass rod in particular, would be something that's not above the industry standard and, and, and is going to be too much weight for the rod to, to fire out there. Okay. Um, I, I watched a couple of interviews of you beforehand, so I hear you're a double taper fan. <laughs> a huge double table fan. But if you don't mind explaining the difference and talk about the advantages and disadvantages to each. Yeah, well, this this lies this in, herein lies some of those those nuances that um, it's almost dangerous to talk about because of confusion. But so very simply, a double taper is a line that is a is a is a level line like this, and there's a taper at one end and there's an identical taper at the other end. That's a standard double taper. And in the old days, people would turn the double tape around. Uh, lines used to be made of silk, and silk lines, you treat a silk line to make it float. And after four or five hours of fishing, water starts to get absorbed into the silk, and the line tip starts to sink. And so to make them floatable, people would then turn around and have the dry end as their, uh, as their front end, for, so they have the floating fly line. So people would turn around, and, and common theory is people turn double tape lines around to get a new end. Well, that's rubbish, that's not how it started, it was just to get a floating end. So. Um, so that was kind of really the theory of double tapers, you turn them around. Weight forward lines, you know, lines have got a, a bit of weight at the front, they still have a front taper and it could be identical to a double taper front taper, but what happens at the back end here is very different. The, the line will taper down to a long thin skinny bit, which is kind of the running line, the thinnest part, and that is thin, so that means there's less friction, it is also very light in weight, so there's little, little drag back. So when you make a cast and you shoot the thin line, there's very little stuff to hold back the distance of the cast, and so the heavy head shoots it out there a long way. So generally speaking, weight forward line is designed to shoot a long way easily because of the lack of friction and lack of weight in the running line. So that's really the, kind of the essential difference between the two. 
my my argument, and we were talking about the Missouri earlier on, you know, and this I I, I adore that river and I fish that river as much as I possibly can. And I like I, I'm a technical caster. I like casting. I have to admit it. I like technical fish. I like to find a fish that's feeding 70 feet away, and I like to test my casting skill and my fishing skills to make a perfect drift at 70 feet. And what I don't like about weight forward lines, the problem with the weight forward line is that any cast where you shoot two feet of running line outside the rod, you now have to strip line in to get to the head to pick it up to make that cast again. With a line like a double taper, I can make a 70 foot cast and, and let's say the fly drifts over the fish or maybe it doesn't drift over the fish, maybe you make a bad cast and kind of the fly comes to the side of the fish. Or with a double taper line, I can pick that exact length of line up again and lay it straight back in the same spot. So that's why I like a double taper line. I, you, you can handle any length of that line. You're not constrained by this running line giving you a poor performance in the cast or even eliminating your mend. You can't mend running line and expect your thin running line to move the head. They are harder to cast, weight, uh, double tapers, because you can't get the distance. So you do have to be a technically a better caster to handle a double taper at those more distances. But once you get to those distances, that's why I like double tapers. Okay. So if we bring this back to slower action rods or fiberglass rods, do yeah. you find uh, the tapers really affect that slower action? Yes and no. I mean, so <laughs> here's the dangerous part about um, knowledge. The a, a fly line standard changes. Let's stay around the five weight, the, the lighter transizer, four weight, five weight, six weight. So the industry standard um, changes 20 grains over 30 feet for every line size. A grain is a unit of weight. If you know what grams are, there's 15 grains in a gram. If you know what ounces are, there's 480 odd grains in an ounce. So it's a tiny, tiny unit of weight. Um, and in fact, what I always show people is, I show people a business card. This is like a little regular thin business card. If you took that business card and you put it on a, on a set of scales, you would find that that business card weighs 20 grains. And 20 grains, as I said, is the difference between a 5-weight and a 6-weight, or a 4-weight and a 5-weight. So what I'm saying there is even with a line that's built truly to industry standards, you are only talking about the weight of a business card over 30 feet as the difference between the two lines. And so people will pick up these lines and go, um, really, this is a business, that's a difference? You chop that into 30 little sections, and so you know, you imagine one thirtieth of that, that's going to be the weight per foot of the line difference. So the, the industry stand is very small. The fact that it changes grains every 20 feet, um, one way to look at it, if you took a regular weight forward, weight forward is now very complex. They have things called compound tapers, and they have swelly bits and skinny bits, and they have lots of different things. But if you just take a regular weight forward, that's, that's a five weight and you start, you had exactly 30 feet of the five weight outside the rod, and it's correct as built to industry standard, it's going to weigh 140 grains, as I said. You lengthen it by five feet, so you have 35 feet of line, you're adding about 20 grains to that line weight, so you're casting a six weight. And you add another 20 feet, so you have 40 feet of line out, and you know, with slower action rods and softer action rods, you tend not to have cast. The rods don't have the guts and the, the, the rigidity in the middle sections to, to handle long lengths. So let's just take that out of the equation for a second, just for the explanation. Um, every time you lengthen your line by five feet outside of the 30 feet, 
you start to add about the line size. And so with the double taper, the downside with that theory is that if I have my double taper 5 and I'm fishing around 70 feet of double taper 5, that's the same weight as a 12 weight line would be at 30 feet. So the danger of that kind of knowledge is you go, well, hang on a minute, this guy's putting a 12 weight line on his 5 weight rod. That's, how does that work? It's just what it is, it works. <laughs> Rods are tapered, people can change their casting stroke, you know, if you're fishing at 10 feet, you might be just flicking your wrist, making real short little tip casts here, and if you're casting at 35 feet, well, you extend the stroke a bit, smooth it out a little. When you're casting 60, 70 feet of line, you have a much longer, smoother, slower casting stroke, and the rod flexes deeper. So people change their casting strokes, rod flexes deeper as a result of that. So all these are built in to making it possible to have multiple variety of line weights on a rod. And that's really important because if it was that essential to match an exact line to an exact rod, you would have to fish only 30 feet of line every time. Because that's what the standard is. You pull in one foot to, to 29 feet, or you fish a creek and you're only fishing 15 feet of line, well, that's like fishing a two-weight on the five-way line. So rods do vary and casting strokes vary to take into account the discrepancies in, in, in weight that you go as you change line lengths. Um, so that's the interesting thing. So to go back to the, to the original question of matching lines to rods, it becomes much more of a problem when you start, um, you know, we have a line, an outbound short, for example, is a line that's designed for very big distances. Two and a half line sizes heavier than it says. You buy a five weight, it's actually a seven and a half that's in the box. Uh, and there's reasons that that works. First of all, it's a very short head, so you can't overload because the head's only 30 feet long. You can't have too much weight because it's 30 foot long. Um, but it's designed to throw big flies, punch into winds, deal with fast action rods. So lines like that, when you put them onto a, a slower, deeper action rod like a fiberglass rod, well, you are going to have problems because there is an awful lot of weight. Even if you're fishing 25 or 30 feet, there's an awful lot of weight there. So generally speaking, when you look for lines, um, there's two things to look for, I think, when you look for lines are when you're fishing fiberglass rods. First of all, look for one that is a lighter than the, these heavy lines, something that is built to the industry standards. So you can have a bit more length out when you need to without overloading it. But secondly, most people, when they choose to, um, to to buy a slower action rod, whether it's bamboo or the slow, deeper flexing uh, graphite rod, like a Sage Circa or something that's really soft, or, or a fiberglass rod, most of the anglers are going to be fishing smaller creeks, fishing six, eight feet, maybe to 25, maybe to 30 feet. Very few people are going to take a fiberglass rod and go out on, a, on the Missouri and a, you know, an upstream wind on Craig Flats there and try and punch out a 40 foot cast. You're not going to do it. It's, rod isn't going to do it. So people choose rods more for fisheries than, than anything else. And those fisheries being shorter range casts. So the second part I would always look for in, in the fly lines designed for rod actions like that are lines with fairly short front tapers. Because if you're only fishing 10 feet of line outside your rod, and let's say your line had a 10 foot front taper, you don't even have the mass of the fly line outside the rod when you start to make the cast. So it becomes very hard to load at short range. So I would look for a line that have a fairly short front taper. Uh, we make one line specifically for bamboo rods and, and softer action rods, like fiberglass bamboo, sage circus, and things like that. And it's called the light line. And one of the differences between the light line and the Trout LT, which is a line called the 
LT, the light touch, is that the LT is a very long front taper of about 11 feet. Still a very lightweight fly line, nice presentation because that taper. But it means if you're fishing at short range, you can't even get some mass to turn out and turn over the fly to deal with any bit of wind to, to load the rod. Whereas the light line has a five foot front taper. So you're, once you've got five feet of line out, you are at the heaviest part of the fly line, so it, it loads up. So those are your considerations. So I generally look for a line with a short front taper, assuming that you're fishing smaller creeks. Completely different equation if you're fishing a big river. And generally, you don't want to look for something that's too heavy because, again, you're going to have a lot of line outside the rod. Um, that if you have a lot of line outside, you'll have a lot of weight and you will overload it. Not technical at all. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to make it simple. I got bogged down in my passion, didn't I? No, it was awesome. You have a ton of great information. Oh, you actually led right into my next one. I was going to ask you what makes the light line special for slower action rods. Literally just that, uh, it, it is the fact that it's, it is the only line we make that if you were to cut every fly line at 30 feet and put it on a little grain scale, then it would be exactly 140 grains. So every other line we make, you cut at 30 feet, it's going to be 145 grains. If it's a trout LT, it's going to be 148 grains. If it's a gold, it's going to be 160 grains. If it's a grand, it's going to be 185 grains. It's now bound short. You know, there's... They're going to be different weights at that 30-foot point in time. So one of the reasons the light line is there is because we do want to make possible that, hey, you've got a slower action rod, you might want to cast 35, 40 feet of line, so you don't want too much weight on there. And then the second thing is that short front taper. So the synopsis for um, softer action rods, the right type of lines, you want to make sure they're not overweighted in the industry standard, which means they don't want for a five weight. 140 grains in the stand, you don't want to line it slightly heavier. Most importantly, I believe, is you want to line with a short front taper. So when you make close range casts, you're going to have some of the weight of the fly line outside of the rod to make it load. So short front tapers, something around six feet or less is considered a short front taper, and lines that are designed to be less than the, or, or equal to the industry standard, not over the industry standard. So those should be ideal for slower action rods. Perfect. So do you enjoy fishing glass rods? I do. I, I, I like, you know, I've got um, Sage Butter Stick, which is a, sorry, a Reddington Butter Stick, which is a, a, a really nice rod that Reddington have that I love. I've got a Sage Circa. Those are my slower action rods. I like this just lethargic, lazy casting stroke of those rods, particularly on smaller rivers. I tend not to use those when I go up to uh, Craig and fish the, the Missouri because I like those long range casts and I need a rod with a bit more, more midsection to it. But for all the rivers around here where I live, which is southwest Washington, the East Fork of the Lewis, I'm making a 20-foot cast at the most, 15-foot cast. So those slower action rods are absolutely perfect for that. Awesome. So why do you love the Missouri so much? Um, because of the technicalities. You know, it, it brings out my casting challenges and my fish, my, my, the way I float the, float the fly over a run, over a scene with lots of currents. There's a lot of fish in the river. It's a dry fly. My other addiction is swinging soft tackles. It's a fantastic river for swinging soft tackles as well. So I get out there with a little tiny trout spay rod that's about a three weight and a little intermediate versa leader and swing a couple of soft tackles and just, oh, it's epic, epic. So that's why I love that river. Plus I like the town. I think Craig's a fantastic trout town. It's, it's a great place to hang around. We, we've had some fun in Craig. Craig's a good place. <laughs> I can believe that. Do you, uh, do you have any good fiberglass or fishing stories in general that you want to share? Anything um, funny stands out? No, I don't, to be fair. Um, I'm not really. 
you know, I'm, not, I'm definitely not a really good storyteller about that kind of stuff. So, uh, <laughs> had I got the story, it would sound very boring and send you to sleep. I can quote facts about fly fishing a bit more. But, uh, um, but I haven't really got a fiberglass story, sadly, so no, can't help you with that. No worries. Um, actually, now that I think about it, do you do much two-handed with fiberglass? I've tried a few. Um, and to be fair, I've not tried a, what I like. Uh, and it's not... It's funny, I, there's, a, there's a number of cane rods that, and I, I know I keep comparing cane and fiberglass, I'm talking fiberglass, but I'm just relating to the action mm -hmm. of rods. There's a number of cane rods that I really like in the 11, 11 and a half foot series that are slower, lethargic, lovely, easy casting things, but I've never yet found a fiberglass one that really seems to work. I've tried a few, there's not many out there, first of all, and a couple that I've tried have been um, just gutless. Uh, so I'm sure I'll find something one day that's going to be there. I'm sure there's lots of people out there, you know, fiberglass is becoming a bit more of an interest in fiberglass, and I'm sure there's lots of fiberglass builders. There's probably a bunch of them out there right now that I would love, but I haven't found them. Awesome. Well, I think that's really all I have for you right now. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time. Well, that's it for Simon Gosworth's interview. Uh, I just want to say a special thanks to Simon and Rio for making it happen. And next up is Tim Rajeff, who is a former world champion flycaster and the founder of Echo and Airflow. Hey. Back. So what can I do to make your day better right now? <laughs> Let's talk about some lines for some fiberglass rods. Cool. Um, what do you recommend for lines for fiberglass? Uh oh. Well, I think um, for trout fishing, since glass rods have been around since uh, the beginning of fly line uh, uh, development of synthetic lines, one of the things that I tell people is that there's some tradition involved in, in uh, fiberglass rods. And so there's a push for people that own glass rods and bamboo rods for that matter to use double taper fly lines. Uh, most of us don't even know, to, have never used a double taper line, have you? When's the last time, when's I, last time you fished? I know what it is, but I have not used one. Yeah, what line do you use for your trout fishing? What style? Uh, I think I just use a weight forward. Uh, right. Traditional kind of end all be all. Perfect. Right. So weight forward lines. Uh, for the first, typically the average weight forward line being 40 feet long, the front of that line is almost what you would use tr uh, with a glass rod. You're probably not too often trying to shoot 100 feet with a fiberglass fly rod, right? Mm -hmm. So the weight forward part isn't that critical, but backing up a step, uh, one of the things that, uh, let's back up even farther, that one of the things about fiberglass rods is that for most people, fiberglass rods generate a little less miles per hour than their graphite rod cousins. So the idea is if you have a graphite rod here and a fiberglass rod here and you cast them, fiberglass rods typically are heavier. The since the fibers are less stiff, to make them cast the same, the glass rod's heavier. So that means when it tries to recover and give miles per hour to your cast, it has to pull that fly line through the air and its own weight. Therefore, if you had a robot, if you were like my brother, 
the casting robot, and you had a graphite rod with 35 feet of line out, a fiberglass rod with 35 feet of line out, the trout fishing standard five weight, and you come forward, flick the graphite rod because it's lighter, not because it's stiffer. It gives you a little more line speed. So, how that translates into choosing the right line for your glass rods are typically, I recommend that people choose a line that's got a, either a little shorter front taper or a little thicker tip diameter so that there's still enough energy left when that line's rolling through the air to straighten out your leader. With a graphite rod, if it's moving faster, you can use a longer taper and a little th thinner tip diameter to have the line straighten out. Did that kind of make sense? That makes sense. Um, yeah, Simon was actually giving us the, the double taper speech before. It was pretty funny. And he had the proper British accent, and, and he sounds so convincing. He's our, he's our equivalent of James Bond in our world. Um, he's a good well, guy. Uh, so what did Simon, uh, Simon probably said, well, that's traditional and blah, 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 but it's really not necessary. Or did he say, oh, you got to buy one of those if you're going to fish a, 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 a bamboo or a glass rod? He talked about double taper being harder to cast, but... The uh, advantage to fishing a double taper was that you could pick up more line and put it back with a little... He said the cast has to be a little more technical, but it allows you to pick up the line and put it right back without having to pull line in or uh, load it differently. Yeah. So, so let's, let's think about where people fish glass. So at Echo, we make some small stream rods that are... Uh, uh, less than eight feet long and they're typical rods you might use on a small creek a spring creek uh, when you have cover and stuff like that and um, I, I would say and you, you, you can chime in I, I don't know I think I'd fish those rods 20 to or t 10 to 40 feet away from me maybe right mm -hmm. maybe 30 feet being average so let's take let's say you got a seven foot rod and a nine foot leader so that's 16 feet so think about it if you're fishing 30 feet away from you how much fly line do you have out 14 feet of fly line mm -hmm. okay so the flock you'll if, if you had a double taper or weight forward you wouldn't know the difference you're never getting the whole weight forward out the rod see where i'm going with mm -hmm. this so if the average weight forward fly line is about 40 feet long and you're using a nine foot leader and you got some rod that's six, seven, eight, nine feet long, the fly would have to be sitting there at about like 55 feet before you even know and benefit from a, a weight forward fly line. So first of all, in a small creek type glass rods, that's completely unrealistic. You're not gonna pick up 50 feet of line, start false casting and shoot to 80 feet. So the, idea of a double taper is, is, is more tradition, but that in most smaller trout fishing situations, it's never, doesn't matter. Because the front part of a weight forward fly line, where the taper is and everything, is the same as the front part of a double taper. So double tapers don't help, and Simon mentioned that the double tapers might come in if you're picking up a long line. Well, with a short glass rod, you're probably not going to do that. So I think it's irrelevant on a small glass. We also at Echo make a, a um, we call our big water glass, and they're eight and a half or nine feet. That's the situation where you might be fishing a bigger river, you might be fishing a lake, where you want to double haul and shoot for distance. That's when a weight forward's good. 
and even then it's common that you know we're not we don't use our glass rod necessarily to punch through the wind with the hopper dropper combination and see if we can hit the other side of the river so for the most part i think um, any weight forward or double taper line are good and um, fit 90 something percent of our fishing situations so when do you like to fish glass well, I fished glass. Uh, we have a cabin up in the uh, near Bend, Oregon, and we, I was fishing the Little Deschutes. It's the headwaters of the Deschutes, and it's a spring creek. And I was using um, a double taper line. And uh, when I designed the uh, Elite double taper line at Airflow, I, I wanted to have it kind of fun and traditional. But what I did was, on the double taper, sorry, my battery's low, let me plug this in. On a double taper line, um, I designed it so that the taper on the bottom of the line, uh, excuse me, at the bottom of the line, the taper at one end is six feet long and finishes a little thicker. And the taper at the other end, I made 12 feet long and finish a little thinner. Okay. See, what, see where this is going? So you can change it. So when, I was, when I was fishing this small spring creek with a small dry fly, I wanted more prep, more delicacy, so I used the longer line. I mean, I flipped the, the double taper around, yeah. and I used the one with the 12-foot front taper. Roll cast better, because like a spay line, you want the weight of the rod tip. And then when you make a cast, the more taper and the thinner the tip diameter, the more the line slows down. So it gave me a really good presentation. Um, and uh, on that same trip, uh, we were fishing uh, Hosmer Lake, uh, and I was on a stand-up paddleboard, and I was fishing an ant, a big ant pattern, and the wind came up. So I flipped the line around, and I used the one, the one with the shorter front taper and a thicker tip to straighten out a bushier fly. Okay. So uh, that was kind of, uh, that line is sort of my attempt to update the traditional double taper line and give it more versatility. Well, utilitarian. Yeah, it was you know kind of crazy. Like I said, unless you're fishing 50 feet away, usually you don't benefit from a weight forward fly line. Mm -hmm. So, but in this weird world, I with this kind of, and it's a it, the the aggressive one is yellow, and then the more tapered one is olive. So it's it's kind of a, a double a double line kind of concept, and that's what I used uh, the last time I fished glass rods about uh, two and a half weeks ago. So generally with glass rods, you want a weight forward with a short taper and a little lighter line, correct? I would say in general, you'd want a fly line that is not overly thin or hyper presentation. So that means a little more aggressive front taper, uh, which means a little shorter front taper and maybe perhaps one that finishes a little thicker at the tip so that because the glass rods don't generate as much miles per hour, more or less as a general statement this way the line will have enough mass at the end to help straighten out your leader. okay so how about when it comes to glass spay rods that's a good question well similarly you know glass spay rod when you load it it has the same physics as an overhead rod you bend the rod you come forward and now you want the rod to unload and contribute to your cast so for the most part are like Scandi style lines that have a thinner tip diameter or a new Scandi long are not overly popular with the glass two-handed people. Uh, we make a line called a Rage, which is a little thicker and a little shorter. 
Uh, guess what? Same kind of concept as the uh, single-handed line. So a line that's a little shorter, that finishes a little thicker, allows you to, uh, uh, with less miles per hour, that line will straighten out and deliver the fly. So uh, on the Skagit heads, it's so on um, surface-oriented lines, Scandi-style lines, our Rage line is more popular because it's a little shorter and a little thicker, which is which helps you uh, with a fiberglass rod. Uh, the Skagit world, and that's probably a big percentage of what uh, people use spay rods for, is to throw heavy sink tips and big flies. Because the line's already short, and that weight of that sink tip and the heavy fly, the dynamics of casting is um, uh, having the line a foot or two shorter or longer doesn't change things too much. So people that throw um, fiberglass spay rods or switch rods can use a, a, either the sh a standard Skagit head, or we, we make one a little bit shorter called the switch, but either one really popular, and they don't make too big of a difference for how the line functions. Awesome. Do you swing your glass rods pretty often? Yeah, I did. Uh, the last time I uh, was swinging one was for trout. We have a three-weight glass switch uh, a, a rod, and uh, it's fun. Uh, that rod is actually, uh, we have a line that's a switch line called the switch float that makes it easy to, um, uh, uh, there's no loop-to-loop -loop connection. So I, I was uh, swinging with my three-weight glass rod on the Deschutes uh, on the way home from that trip. So that'd be about a week ago. Awesome. So do you have any good glass stories you need to share with us? Boy, um, Catherine was fishing. We just got stand-up paddle boards to fish from, and we were on Hosmer Lake. And uh, Catherine is like, you know, I don't want to hurt the fish. A lot of times she'll just cut the hook off. You know, I'm like, no, 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 go ahead and fish this. And um, I was in the weed beds fishing one section, and she's off to the side fishing a little calabatus. And I thought, well, there's none of those are hatching, so it's not going to happen. And I look over, and there's a fish jumping in the air. And she's on her stand-up paddleboard. The fish is jumping behind her and around her. And it was like, you know, we're, we're not used to, we don't have anchor systems or anything. And I look over, and that glass rod is like, the fish is jumping on the other side of the board, and the glass rod has been all the way down. It was so cool. And that's one of the benefits of glass, is because the fibers stretch more, with a graphite rod, when it bends that much, you're going to break the tippet, or you're going to break the rod. And with the glass rod, it just kept on bending and bending and bending, and it's like the tip was underwater. And she didn't break off the tippet. We had 5X tippet on there. So it was just fun to see a situation that was completely out of control. Um, and I got to the fish, and it was wrapped in the weeds, and I went to pull on the tippet, whoop, and, it, and the fish came off, and the fish swam away, and she was, like, ecstatic because we didn't have to handle the fish. It was a perfect release. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, just a quick close up, uh, what rods from you guys would you recommend for people looking at glass, both single and double hand? Um, well, you know, if you had to average the world of trout fishing, the number five size line is still the king. We sell more five weight rods than anything because it's versatile. You can fish medium to small rivers, but then when you get into the wind and you throw it in a river or a big lake, you know, it, it still works. And in our glass world, um, uh, we have some small river rods that are more traditional, they're really slow action, and those aren't as popular now as what we call our big water glass. So we make an eight and a half foot five weight. That's my go-to all-around trout rod. Uh, and it's, and it's, uh, it's firm, so it's not overly loose. So it, 
if you fish and have started your career with uh, graphite rods, you're able to grab that rod, and then if you just slow down a little bit, let the rod kind of flex and come through, you'll have, you can use the same line that you normally use it, uh, and uh, have a lot of fun. And then for two-handers, boy, uh, the 7129, our 12 foot 9 inch 7 weight is real versatile. And on that rod, uh, when you come forward with a spay rod, what's a little different is if you get your D-loop formed properly, the rod will be partially loaded before you come into your forward cast. So for most people, that rod is a plug and play. You take the same Skagit or Scandi lines that you've used for your single handers, use it on your seven weight uh, glass rod. And other than slowing down to form your D-loop, if you just let the rod kick the D-loop back, it you don't have to change your stroke at all. Maybe just slow down 10% when you're forming your D-loop and then you can deliver your normal cast. And then if you hook up, if you're lucky enough, that rod, the way it bends, I think you'll pull, you'll lose fewer fish if you use that class rod. Awesome. Well, I think that's all we have for you now. Do you have anything? That's it. Perfect. Uh, do you have anything, anybody you want to push on social, any websites or? Well, you know, we're going to start posting a little bit more on, you know, how, the, how these rods work, what the benefit of glass rod is. But basically, I just need people to understand, you know, you, you know, we do, we fish because it's fun. You know, we're not, you know, we're not solving world hunger here. We just do it because we love to fish. And when you think about how many casts you make in the day, if you can have more fun with your cast and more fun when you hook up, that would be good. So the glass rods, while they may not throw a 100-foot laser beam into the wind, the truth of the matter is, for most situations, we don't need to do that. So I just say, you know, if you have a friend that has a glass rod or if you want to invest in a glass rod, you, you might just have more fun fishing than you ever had before. Awesome. Well, thank you for your time, Tim. I really appreciate it. Well, that's it for episode 34 of the Ask North 40 podcast. Thanks for listening. Uh, Special thanks again to Tim and Simon. We really appreciate them showing up and being on the show. If you want any more information, check us out at north40flyshop.com.